Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's see if we can move to something constructive like today's Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Uh, it's a Longhorn Notebook brought to you by Aaron Bowersock, the home loan expert. Uh, check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com, B-O-W-E-R-S-O-C-K. See if Aaron can do for you what uh, she did for Linda and me, and that was to get us with that t- 10-day home loan approval guarantee. So we've got a, a couple of Alamo Bowl notes, and then we'll hear from Marcus Carr. Yeah, a, a lot of eyes, obviously, for obvious reasons, on Quinn Ewers for this game. No Bijan Robinson, no Roshan Johnson. Look, Texas still needs to try to run the ball. I mean, Washington's got one of the worst run defenses in the country, so you still need to try to establish the run. And, you know, I talked to Jake Majors and Kyle Flood yesterday about just the, the confidence this offensive line has. I, Kyle Flood had some some really good one-liner, some really good quotes yesterday. You know, I asked him about uh, Jatavian Sanders and the kind of year he's had and how he, you know, developing as a blocker because Texas, they run a lot of 12 personnel. The tight end's heavily involved. Uh, the split zone where it's a zone zone run to one side and the tight end blocks back across the formation has been really good for Texas. Uh, and I asked Kyle Flood how important JT's development as a blocker has been. He said, look, he said, a, a tight end who, he said, I've always said this, a tight end who doesn't block is just a slow wide receiver, and nobody wants those. So that's just a credit to the job Jatavian Sanders. By the way, I don't know if I, I don't think we touched on this, Greg. Jatavian Sanders has 49 catches. If he catches two balls tonight, he breaks David Thomas' school record for catches in a season by a tight end. Wow. So yeah, that's one of those records that you didn't think would fall. Well, at some and, point. and considering and, considering the track record Texas tight ends have had pretty much for the last. 15 years and and as a backup to what you were saying about the husky defense the rush defense is 35th that's not awful but their pass defense is 91st yeah and and their their total defense is 55th and their scoring defense is 63rd so yeah then the opportunity might be there you'd think for jt sanders to, to have a few catches i think so looking at some of the advanced statistics you know their rushing success rate allowed i think they're like 108th in the country i'll pull that up during the break and have that i think they're like 108th in the country and uh run success rate allowed so yeah the texas does need to run the ball but a lot a lot of eyes on Quinn Ewers, and I thought, you know, he, you know, Quinn held court yesterday with the media, and we've got a couple of uh, articles up at Horns 24-7 right now. You can get over and check these out. But I, I think, you know, we've heard Quinn late in the year, I think, speak a lot of truth and really be introspective about his season. I thought this quote, Craig, was, was poignant. Uh, he said, I thought I, on it, I thought I had it all figured out after that Oklahoma game, honestly. But there's so much more to it. And after that Oklahoma State game, i got to really dig deep into those defenses and really figure out tips and certain things like reminders that will help me figure it out. But that's football. Just as important as the game is studying the game. Yep. And I think you could kind of sense that a little bit. Look, I, I kind of wrote that. That was my big takeaway from the Oklahoma game is I'm like, all right, the – you know, the highest-graded quarterback, the highest-rated quarterback tied with Vince Young and Arch Manning in the history of recruiting, he's he's living up to the hype, and, and he, he's not – the stage wasn't too big for him, and this, that, and the other. And, you know, he went to Stillwater and kind of, you know, let's not beat around the bush, fell flat on his face two weeks later against Oklahoma State. Uh, and then the, the TCU game was not very good, and then we saw what happened in the Baylor game. So it's just – I think it's part of – I think we forget – you know, especially when you're you're building a program in the way Sark is, given what happened last year, and you're kind of overhaul the roster, and it's kind of year one point two almost, if you will, right. given given the circumstances. I think we forget sometimes the slow burn 
that it is to develop a quarterback. I mean, from the time I've been following the program, you know, Chris Sims went through it, Vince Young went through it, Colt went through it, mm-hmm. Sam went through it. Mm-hmm. it. Even the best guys we've seen in this program, they have that time through their first year, year and a half. Uh, where they struggle. I mean, we can – I think people – look fondly at Colt's career for obvious reasons, but I think history forgets like, I don't know that the fan base really thought Colt was the guy. I don't think until that Oklahoma game, Craig, in 08. I, I agree. That was the point where you're like, okay, this guy because there were times in that 07 season where you know, it just, he was, I know he was banged up a little bit and then, you know, John Childs had to come in during the Nebraska game and there were games where he just flat didn't play well right and jamal charles had to save the day at times but you know it, it even took, after the alamo of the uh holiday bowl win of arizona yeah. state there were folks going is he yeah. the guy well you know and and then he he obviously you know it, it just took yeah. it took it uh completely over and away but it's a slow it's a slow burn and, and quinn i really do think quinn will get there he obviously had the growing pains but i think that to me is the biggest thing to watch tomorrow night is does quinn ewers look different tomorrow night than the Quinn Ewers we saw that pretty much for the, the entire second half of the season. Yeah, it's 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 a great point. And and remember, um, Colt McCoy's first bowl win as a starting quarterback was right in this yep. building in 06 with the come from – they were down 14-0 to Iowa Yeah, before they came back to win that Yeah, contest. and uh, j- just a couple other things. Uh, you know, Xavier, Xavier Worthy uh, – kind of turned some heads yesterday with his non-committal answer when he was asked if he was going to come back for 2023. Uh, Chip Brown has a, a really good morning column, though, uh, that not only gets into that, but uh, that, you know, how hard Xavier Worthy works and just kind of getting into his background and kind of what drives him. So I think, and I've even seen some Twitter feedback already, it makes you look at X in a different light than I think maybe what the public persona would lead you to believe he's like behind the scenes. So I'd encourage uh, everybody to go to Horns 24-7 and check that one out. All right. Uh, it, that's uh, the football side of it. Basketball, uh, Texas women play tonight uh, just like the men did last night. It'll be against Texas A&M Commerce tonight. It's at 7 o'clock. You can hear it on 105 through the bat. We'll begin uh, coverage at 645. And then uh, the uh, tip-off at 7 o'clock. And, of course, the Longhorn men last night with a win over A&M Commerce, 97-72. Uh, by the way, it was the first Texas me- first meeting between those two. You'd, you'd say, well, those two teams never played before, right? Uh, A&M Commerce just, just, just went D1. No, no. There was a time uh, when it didn't matter if you played Division II teams or whatever, and Texas played then East Texas State. And, uh, and beat them in 1962 was the last time. So it had been 60 years since the two programs had, uh, had met. And, and my son, Andy Way, had pointed out that East, then East Texas State was the team that then Texas Western in the movie Glory Road beat that had where they had all the racial issues and mm-hmm. stuff and getting out. He goes, that was East Texas State when they played when they, when they played that game or something. Like. And apparently folks over in Commerce were not real pleased about how it was depicted uh, in that deal. But uh, Marcus Carr was you just – So you mean to tell me Ken Palm wasn't doing non-conference strength of schedule? It didn't happen. Then? There was no uh, bracketological prognostication from Joe Lenardi. Mark Torvik wasn't uh, up and running at just, that point. Just, it was it not. Jerry okay. Palm did not have the breakdown either. <laughs> Somehow that did not happen. Uh, what did happen was Marcus Carr landmark game of 41 points, uh, tying a UT first half or a single half scoring record of 33 points. Uh, as, as Joe Cook said to me when I walked in, he goes, I, I bet you didn't expect to be uttering the name Jim Crevax last night. Uh, but Crevax uh, had 33 in the second half of a game. 
against Northern Montana. Bill Little did the play-by-play for that game, and I saw Bill last night. And I asked him, I said, do you remember anything? He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, I remember Abe taking him out of the game. <laughs> Fans were unhappy. And there was a little smattering of boos when Marcus came out, but there was two and a half minutes to go in the yeah. ball game when he came out. And you're up by 30. Yeah, at that point. And, uh, but uh, that was one record that he tied. The other was the 10 three-pointers. I remember that afternoon. It was a Saturday afternoon game. Al Coleman against Kansas State did it in the 96-97 season, which was a Sweet 16 year for Texas. And Eddie said on the broadcast, he goes, if Al's watching right now, I'll bet you he's rooting for, for Marcus to break the record. Al was that kind of guy. Great guy. Former A. Leaf Hastings Bear, and he was, and he was rooting for. But um, after the game, we had a, a brief chat with Marcus Carr to talk about his uh, landmark effort in the Texas win last Visiting night. Visiting with, as they say in soccer parlance, the man of the match, Marcus Carr, with 41, tying your career high. Obvious question is, is it a feel thing when you get that going early in a ball game? Uh, yeah, for sure. You know, honestly, me and the staff and the coaches and we're just talking. They're like, you know, you've been shooting the ball really well. It looks like it feels good. You know, they could just tell from the outside. And, you know, I had a couple early looks and it felt good. And my teammates noticed as well. So once I knocked a couple down, they said, we're just going to keep looking for you. And so really, it's all credit to my teammates looking for me, especially in that first half. You know, I was just able to knock them down. And I know you've been on some of the other side of that where you're a teammate feeding another hot hand who has it. So is that one of those deals where guys look and your eyes meet and they know to try to get it to you? Uh, yeah, 100%. You know, this team, we have great chemistry, uh, great communication, a great understanding of each other and just, you know, where each other likes to be, where they like the ball, where they like to score. So, you know, tonight just happened to be my night and, you know, any other night could be anybody else. Okay, so eight in the first half. I mean, did you give thought to the three-point record in the second half? I honestly had no idea until I hit, I guess, the 10th one. Uh-huh. And then everybody in the in the arena started cheering. And then Timmy kind of looked at me at the free throw line. He's like, look up. And I looked up and I saw that, you know, I tied the record. So that was like, oh, wow. And then I was like, okay, maybe I might try and get one more after that. But and you before, that, <laughs> before that, I had no idea. I was really just out there playing. I didn't even know I hit 10. So, you know, it's just honestly just it's just a blessing, an honor. You know, I give thanks to God and, and my teammates. In terms of start a conference play, you think this team's ready to roll into the conference opener on Saturday? Uh, 100%. I think, you know, we've had our battles, we've had our tests, and, you know, we've done what we needed to do, continue to get better from the beginning of the season until now, and, you know, we just have to continue to carry those things with us throughout conference play and continue to get better. Yeah, plain and simple, continue to get better because they're going to need to be better uh, coming up 72 hours from now uh, when they when they get ready to play the Oklahoma Sooners there at Lloyd Noble because all of this is really good, and as you pointed out, it's their best start since the 2009-2010 season when they rose as high as number one in the country. Uh, but uh, but that's non-conference. They have that one non-conference game remaining, and that's at the end of January. And uh, they'll be in Knoxville to we'll take on Tennessee. We'll step up in competition. And boy, it will be with that SEC Big 12 challenge They're going up against the Tennessee Volunteers in Knoxville. However... Uh, conference play begins on Saturday afternoon, so it's a big one, and we'll see. The last non-AQ conference opponent of the year. There you go. All right. Uh, um, up, yes. The last one bid league opponent of the year. I there you say. go. There you go. Um, I will say this: the records Marcus was chasing last night. Mm-hmm. It was really good for me to channel my youth as a Longhorn basketball fan when I'm looking at the record books and seeing Al Coleman and B.J. Tyler and Reggie Freeman. Yeah, like, oh, it's taking taking me back to the day when. 
I would like, uh, you know, we, during Christmas break, you'd get like a $2 discount ticket for a mezzanine seat at the drum to watch some, some Longhorn And basketball. if you're a little kid, you like going way up to the top, right? <laughs> yeah. I used to do that back in the 70s at the Carolina Cougars games in the ABA. I did the, I did the same uh, thing there on that. Is that at the uh, Greensboro Coliseum? It was at the, uh, at the Greensboro Coliseum. And as I, as I segue to that, a lot of good wrestling happened at the Greensboro Coliseum. Absolutely. Back so, and I went to a couple of matches there. Did you really? That's where I saw a, a very uh, young – let me think about this. Uh, yeah, it was a very young.